Can you imagine some extant rebellion protesting outside hairdressers' talents? <laughs> Welcome to Salonomics, broadcasting from Essex, it's 15th of February. The Bitcoin price is $47,650. I am your host, Aaron Dawn, and joining me once again from North London is my hair, B-E-I-S, Joe Mehmet. Hey, Joe. Hi, matey. How are you doing? I'm very well, very well indeed. Did How, you get... How's it going? All right, Asher. Did you get lots of Valentine cards? I did, yeah. I got a number Ooh. of Valentine's cards that my wife proceeded to post all over Facebook over the weekend, which was wonderful. Oh. No, I didn't. I, I, got the, I got the usual one. My missus is quite brutal when it comes to sending cards. And, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I got quite a, um, what is it, back, backhanded compliment? Is that what you call them? Yeah, was saying yeah. Um, you're the love of my life. Not, <laughs> not quite. Yeah, not. Yeah, you're the love of my no- life. Not. not exactly. <laughs> exactly. What about you? How many? Um, how many uh, cards did you receive this? None but uh, well, no, my idea of bad type cards, right? So when I was sort of like a fifteen, you know, kid, like this. So you fancy a girl, right? But you're too scared to ask her out or anything like that. So you're waiting for that one day of the year, like the fourteenth of February. And to send that person a card, you know, and hopefully that she acknowledges that it was you, you know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, was you somebody that used to write your Valentine's card with a question mark to be yeah, like exactly. that mysterious? It, it, well, yeah, exactly. That, that mysterious that, creep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Turk, actually, Turk. You know, greeted Turk. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was, it was that because you just didn't want to sort of like, you know, People sort of say, "Oh, look at you! You've rejected type of thing." So, so yeah, and and you know, when I when I met my wife, uh, you know, one thing I sort of said to her, um, "I don't do Valentine cards." You know, if I, I've got you, I love you. But I don't need to tell you on the fourteenth of February that I love you. I mean, you know, whereas every day, it's it's a, it's a special day. So, you know, go to restaurants or take it to movies, go on holidays, but I don't have to save it all for one day of the year just to sort of say that. So, gotcha. Gotcha. So, so did you save all that up for the first day? Did you lay all those <laughs> on day one? Don't expect any cards. Or well, I mean, she, or... she continued the first story. Actually, I said to her the very first date. Right, was that right on Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays? I'm not available because Fridays I was recovering from Thursday nights. Saturday right. I was with my family. Thursday nights in the salon, of course. No, yeah? Thursday night was my party night. You know, because Thursday, you know, they, they got wow. like the eighties and nineties and two thousands, right? Yeah. Thursdays was was a sort of like the the Saturdays, you know. Only um, you know saw sort of like people saw sort of offices just saw sort of go out Friday the Saturdays, right? But the smart people would sort of go out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So anyway, can you imagine so sort of like you're going out on a Friday night, Saturday night, you're competing with everybody. Whereas if you got yeah. Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, you only compete with the smart people, you know, people. Ah, who, you know that I mean? contrarian thinking of yours, mate. Yeah, that's it's, right. It's so, very adverse. Um, so first, ad- I mean, but these days, Thursday night is the new Saturday nights type of thing, blah blah. But those days, that's how it was with me. So that's how it went. So when I met my wife in 1999, and yeah, you know, I I saw like wanted her to be my girlfriend. I said to her, look, you know, we could date. But I, I can't see you Friday, Saturday, Sundays. It is my wife who saw it working. You know, she had her own business in um, in in, in um, state agency, so like Letics. Mm. She she couldn't wait to get on Friday night or Saturday night, but sure. uh, she didn't see me. So you know, so we <laughs> and and then when we got married, I said to her like, you know, we we will uh, celebrate the first anniversary. After that, I'm not interested. So wow. for, 
Yeah, it's quite brutal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how how much of that is is like down to your cultural beginnings, or it, how much it, of that is something it, you've it's developed got nothing over time? to do time. with cultures, right? Listen, right. in our industry, right? You know, as a hairdresser, no two dads are the same. Okay. Mm. Now I could tell you a story on my fiftieth birthday. Mm. All right, and I'm really scared because I don't celebrate birthdays. By the way, you don't even know when my birthday is, do you? I don't. Um, Rex generally tips me off like the day before because, yeah, yeah you're not very forwards. No. Uh, in, I, I'll in tell you what it was. Kind of I'll tell you what it was. I'll tell you exactly what it was. It was on Saturday, just gone. No Thirteen. way. Thirteen. Oh, yeah. well, many <laughs> happy go. returns, Joe. Ah, don't worry. Thank you very much, right? But like, um, <laughs> Joe's birthday was Saturday, everyone. February the 13th. That's quite interesting because one of my other good friends, Chris Wilmot's birthday was on um, Saturday also. So your kind of birthday. Well, one of my heroes is born on the 30th as well. Who's that? Liam Brady. Oh, yes. I did notice that. So um, so are you going to tell us how old you were on Saturday? Because oh, no, Liam Brady was 65. Uh, he's slightly older than me. <laughs> right, okay. That's fair enough. You can leave it there. That's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah see... No. See, see, why is that, Joe? Why do you feel the the need not to share when your birthday is or to celebrate your birthday? Well, the, the, why is that? It, it kind of goes goes back many years, right? Because I, I I know because I come from a family of ten, okay. So we never really yeah. celebrated birthdays, okay. Even right. though, even though my brother, I got a brother you sort of met uh, one of them. Um, I got one brother born on Christmas Day, twenty fifth December, and another, another brother, which is the one you met, is born on Boxing Day. And they used to always have sort of like presents, you know what I mean? But I, we never did. But it's okay. I mean, I've got no, um, I'm not sort of like disturbed or anything by the whole thing. Um, but as I sort of grow, grow up, I, I never really celebrated birthdays. And, you know, I, I never really had the need to accept presents or miss out. I just never did. So mm. uh, one of the things that I um, I kind of remember was that when I remote when I started making a bit of money in the profession was that I hated Februarys. So what I sort of did I was always going holidays in February. Okay, so mm. you had your summer holidays and then come sort of like um, you know sort of January, I, I had something to look forward to which was um, a holiday. So again I, I would go away during my birthday so when I came back to it no one really knew that they, they all knew it was you know February but they never really celebrated because you know what I mean so because it's sure. something that so that must be a cultural thing then right no I, I think mean, it's just me yeah. I think it's me I think it's me it's right me. okay it's not it's me because right. I, I, I just don't believe in wasting so did you did you uh, go out for a meal then on some, well what am I talking about did you did you cook your own meal? Did you treat yourself to a takeaway? How did Joe celebrate his birthday? We had a takeaway. As, as it happens, you know, my wife said, "What do you fancy doing?" I said, oh, "What? What do you think, mate? Five guys, isn't it? We could have five guys. Five <laughs> so, guys burger, yeah. Five guys burgers burger. and sort of like a nice little cake with mm. ice cream. And, you know, thank you very much. So you know, it, look, but that's it's every day's like that, right? Every day is it's a special day. And this is true because I, I spoke to you Saturday and Sunday and yesterday, and you didn't mention anything about no. your birthday whatsoever. No, so I'm it, I'm learning that today. Um, exactly. Uh, so your, so many happy returns for Saturday. Thanks, mate. Um, Thanks. Arsenal won yesterday, so I'm sure that's probably the only present that you um you no, appreciate. That, <laughs> exactly. But mate, it was squidgy bottom. 
that time when they were so four to they were four to up yeah squishy but here we go you know four sometimes four goals is not enough when you play with the uh, playing against the arsenal so anyway it, it was good 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 yeah right anyway. should we get on with today's show yeah please do after we've um yeah discussed the I, I noticed, most um, sanctums of your mind and how yeah. birthdays and valentines work so i mean you wouldn't call yourself a uh, mormon then who basically <laughs> just doesn't like to celebrate anything no i celebrate christmas i love christmas okay i uh, really really because it's just a time that where you actually don't think about yourself right sure. uh, and you think about everybody else Sure. Uh, I, I do like that actually. Even as a as a Muslim, I look at the the whole um, festival, the, the, the whole meaning of it, rather than the religious side of it. And I, sure. And, I, and I, I do love Christmas actually. I must admit, I really yeah, do. Yeah, of course, because of lockdown, it did prevent a lot of families from actually getting together, didn't it, over Christmas? So I suppose this year we are kind of negatively impacted from that amount of. You know, like you say, family love and just getting together, right? So. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so definitely, but but uh, but no, I I, I saw like um, I, I I don't find a need to celebrate a special day when every day is special. I mean, I wake up every morning, mm. happy to be alive. So when I open my eyes, I'm I'm really grateful for that day, and it's been like that ever since um, the day I was born. To be honest with you, because I, I just love waking up. I that's really amazing. Would. Well, there's a lesson in in there somewhere, I think, and there, you know, that's yeah. a good lesson, life yeah. lesson we can all learn, right? Yeah, you so see, you work out in a positive mood, yeah? Uh, yeah, and there's this sort of no desire to sort of lounge in bed, if you like, yeah, just wake up, you know. And attack the day, right? E exactly, exactly. Speaking of attack, well, I mean, let me just get a share with you. Uh, we got my two daughters. Um, we managed to bribe them into making a Valentine's meal for me and my wife yesterday. It was very nice. We had a Thai red curry that was made by Daisy. And Lovely. Evie made us a beautiful chocolate cake uh, decorated in, um, yeah, love hearts all over it. It was very, very pleasant. Uh, I had Beautiful. to, I mean, we had a bomb site uh, to clear up afterwards, as in the kitchen, but hey-ho. Um, but yeah, it's very nice. So um, yeah, so yeah. Talking of attacking things, who are we going to attack this week, Joe? Well, I, <laughs> well, attack I'll, is the best form of defence. As you, you um, sent me, a, you sent me a screenshot uh, of a conversation you were having with a friend of yours uh, mm. regarding the BEIS. Yes, uh, and I and I find it quite um, not disturbing. Because I, I know we, we talked about the professional body all celebrating being in a, in a new personal care sector under the umbrella of the BEIS. And, yes. and I was always a bit um, dubious about this um, their um, intentions. Should we just give a brief overview of what all this means? Yeah. Obviously for those who may have just been joining the show and, and might not be aware of this. Um, so... Essentially, the hairdressing and beauty industry, even though it contributes billions to society, uh, to the uh, UK, um, the UK government, uh, contributes as well. When I say billions in terms of pounds, but obviously we could contribute so much more in terms of health and well-being and making people feel good about themselves and. And things really like important that. services to community. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's a service that can be found as the lifeblood of every local town, right? Every strong town has at least two, three hairdressing, beauty parlours, barbershops in them, right? 
It's the lifeblood of every local community. So our industry has n a number of professional bodies, um, associations. Too many, in my uh, opinion. Too many. Um, that are all essentially um, battling for the, I suppose, the, the right to call themselves the one uh, representative of an industry. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and what we've spoke about for a long time is, you know, our industry doesn't necessarily need regulation because it's super competitive uh, and it's, you know, it's competitiveness essentially regulates itself because there's so many other hairdressers, barbershops around. If you have a bad service at one, then you just go to the next. Right. Yeah, and yeah. you could use that service. If that's a better service, it provides you value for money. <laughs> Then that's it. So it's a pretty good choice, isn't it? Right. That's right. That. So, yeah, go so on. going back to obviously we're in a fragmented industry, but a lot of these regulators, or sorry, not regulators. What, how should we call them? Professional bodies. Yeah. Um, last month they were all celebrating uh, the notion that they have campaigned to, to put our industry in a new sector that's basically regulated by the government. And this sector is the business enterprise um, sustainability sector. Um, and, you know, a lot of the Hair and Barber Council, the National Hairdressing Federation, a lot of these people were applauding themselves and all giving themselves pats on the back for achieving something which didn't make sense. Argue, it didn't make sense yeah, to us. I would argue 99% of the industry don't understand what any of this means and they don't necessarily care for what any of this means because it doesn't affect them. Mm. However, there was 1% of the industry all congratulating themselves, saying what a great job. So we've obviously been trying to reach out to these professional bodies to understand exactly what these things mean, um, what we can expect to change. But... I don't know about you, Joe. I've reached out to the British Barber Council, uh, British Beauty Council, the Hair and Barber Council, and so far I've had radio silence on all of our questions, well, which I think is a bit bizarre because well, they they represent everybody. Remember, they keep telling us they represent us all, but they're not very good communicators. No, well, see, you're lucky you got radio silence, mate. I'm is, I'm I'm a non-entity because they haven't even acknowledged my um, my sort of questions to them. You know what I mean? So I've I've sort of gone like, who are you for them? For I mean, let's let's put this <coughs> Who are who are we for them to talk to us? Because we're just the minnows, aren't we? We we got no authority or no voice, right? Because we are self-made. We're so self. Um, regulated we we actually saw like we only care for our clients but mm. that is not true because we do care about the industry I mean, mm. I mean, uh, and we care about the future of the industry but for them the way they see us i think it's, it's a bit of a cash cow there's a cash cow to extract I think, money, I think money from no, they, they just they don't really see us any, their means. they just say that we are not their target audience because yeah. if because i was actually sort of looking at the uh, national hair and beauty federation right mm. and uh, we were talking about this uh, 
let, let's talk about the um, the the, um, the, the, re the response you got from your friend regarding BIS, right, with the uh, the non-compliant taxes, and then I'll go mm. into this uh, National Hair and Beauty Federation, right? Because I actually think they're looking to grow their membership. Mm. And how they're going to grow their membership? Through yeah, regulations. Um, well, will they? I mean, yes. is there that many people out there that are saying our industry needs to be regulated? Isn't that the people that are... Don't the businesses that are doing well that not care for that that kind of, you know, the removal of competition? You know, yeah. if you're doing well as an as a enterprise and as a business... You are your own competition, right? Well, we see, I, there, there's, a, there's a study, right, that was done by the um, Occupational Tax Paying Culture by the, uh, it was, it was a, there was a journal by the Community of Applied Science Psychology. And they're looking at this um, tax paying culture. And they, they interviewed 19, and this is only in the hairdresser sector, by the way. They, they, they actually took, they actually took um, 19 hairdressers Self-employed, so I know it's blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's, it's there on the internet, right? But I mean, it's quite long and winded to sort of like, to, to digest for my fever lord mind. Um, and they came up with a conclusion. And the conclusion was, well, if they can do it, why can't I do it? As in avoiding paying taxes or complying to pay taxes. Because, you know, you've got the salon owners that will, com that will comply and you've got the self-employed who won't comply. Mm. You see, so, and our, our industry is so diverse in, in how it operates that to try and regulate it is, 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 is virtually impossible. Yes, yeah, so there's so many pieces to the jigsaw, right? Yeah. And to, to make all of them come together on one specific day, in one specific time to, yeah. you know, basically issue rules that everyone can abide for, abide to. Yeah. It's very, very difficult because, like you say, it's an extremely diverse industry and yeah. it's the diversity of the industry which kind of makes it so powerful, right? Well, that's, well, no, that's the beauty of it, okay? Mm. You, you know, look, I, I left school with no qualifications. You, you, you actually went into hairdressing through uh, a, a misfortune and you made a great career out of it. Now, where in any industry can two people from different walks of life Right, go into and become successful. Yeah, yeah. Do, 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 do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Right, and, and that's the beauty of our industry. It doesn't matter what background you're from, or or have or, or whatever. There's mm. it's a perfect industry to go into to express mm. yourself, and that's what mm. it's all about. The minute you take away that freedom to express yourself, then it becomes a different industry. Yeah, no, I agree. I've, I've often said that, you know, to apply rules to a creative industry is kind of, it's kind of, um, it just handicaps the industry. And therefore, you know, the progressiveness of our industry is improving uh, uh, and getting better every year actually reverses. Yeah. Um, because you cannot, you know, you cannot, you know, stay within those walls although that box you can't stay within that box that you're essentially being told you must stay in this box and not so, not, so why not, do you think the bis right want to regulate our industry um i don't think they do i think I they do think, actually i think they do I you disagree. think they do i yeah. mean i don't but i don't believe they do i believe that like i say there's these bureaucrats out there that have asked them 
to help regulate our industry. You well, know, I don't think it was something. I don't think the BIS is out there going right. We need to find industries to regulate. I think that there's been a campaign over many years that have tried to get more interference in our industry. And 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 I always come back to this, Joe, because it's the simplest concept that my brain can understand is. They're essentially trying to create barriers of entry for the industry in order to remove competition. And, who's, the, and, who, from, and who sets the barriers up? Who, who sets these um, barriers up? The the professional bodies, right? There's, it's their interpretation, which we, we discussed previously, the, the labour laws, the minimum wage, all these kind of things, right? Mm. And the government sets these guidelines and the... The, the government, but, the, but like I say, the government are setting the guidelines because these bodies that supposedly represent but, us are asking them the guide, to set these guidelines. Well, the guidelines They're asking well, for no, regulations. The guidelines are there for interpretation, okay? Sure. Right? And the interpretation is, from my point of view, from a, from a hairdresser's point of view, right? Yeah, it may work in, in, a, in, a, in a factory or a, in retail, whatever. But it may not work in our sector. Can we just, just mm. you know, just put these points out a little bit? You know, let's protect, yeah. let's protect our industry a little bit more. People coming in, people sort of want to be in, or the people want to be entrepreneurial. But they haven't done that. Okay, so yeah. again, I, I sort of see the BIS. We're very clever in, in moving our sector because they were talking about moving the sector well, from retail to. Well, health and hygiene, moving to the sector, right, into this personal care sector. Mm. And like you sort of said earlier on, they were all woo-woo-wooing about the fact that we, we, that we're going to the sector. Now, yeah. the BIS got them into that sector now. Now, all those years we've been in retail, all of a sudden we're going to this personal care sector. Now we have to follow their guidelines now. And this is what it will entail. So that Okay, they, so so what other... What other um, professional services are in this BEIS scheme then because obviously you've you know obviously linking factory work to hairdressing you know once again it goes back to my argument about we, we do a time-based service we're not creating a product that comes off the conveyor belt exactly this is what I was trying to say the interpretation by so, the... so it's, yeah so what other what other industries are in this sector? Because obviously we can only look at the other equivalent industries in the sector and, and to get an example of how they're going to look to change our industry going forwards. Well, I think we've, we've fallen into an awful lot of um, areas, right? Um, yeah. So like, let's uh, just say a bit... Well, so, 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 let, so basically there's, there's sectors in here such as greenhouse gas emissions yeah so straight away our salon environment will now be considered to be kind of a carbon positive yeah. you know carbon we're, emissions we're and therefore cops. more stringent checks and balances will have to be made on every salon going forward as to how carbon efficient they are which we expect we, 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 we touched on that in a, in a previous show okay now let, let's let's put that aside and let's go into what we what we discuss about now with the taxation but the, joe how much how much carbon emissions does a haircut <laughs> does a haircut take it, does, it takes a lot actually because to, to, to a perfect haircut right, you need good lighting good airflow good space yeah, good, no i disagree yeah, yeah. i disagree it's two people 
cutting hair. I'm not pouring petrol in a thing no. to power a conveyor belt to pour plastic into it. To, do you know what I mean? No, it's could, two people in a you, room with a pair of scissors. Yeah, yeah, you could do that side of fresh so, air. That, that, that is carbon neutral. Yeah. yeah. Carbon neutral. All right, yeah, you can say... I mean, are you using floodlights in your salon? I mean, how, how powerful are your lights in your salon? Are you using giant extractor fans, you know, that you're having to power with, like, electricity... But no, I'm, I'm, I'm talking from a salon owner's perspective. I'm not talking. Yeah, about and I'm talking from I'm talking from the actual craft perspective. Yeah, you know the idea that a haircut can be considered carbon, you know, creating carbon emissions is a nonsense. Yeah, but yeah, here we are. But a beautician would use a lot more equipment, right? Not necessarily. A beautician could apply someone's makeup. A beautician could yeah. just be giving someone a back massage. Facial, yeah, yeah, it, it is, yeah. I, I mean, bet, how bet. much, you, look, so like I say, you know, now we've got this false equivalence that salons are now going to be deemed, oh, polluting, polluting the environment if we fall foul of these arbitrary numbers that our 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 professional bodies have basically asked can, can you, us can you, to be judged by. Can you imagine some exit rebellion protesting outside hairdressers' salons? Outside hairdressers' salons, yeah. Oh, you're wasting water. Oh, yeah, you, know, you need to be You fine. destroy the environment. You know, shut your salon down. You know, the music you're playing, you know, is using Yeah, energy. so the point you're making about factories and salons, I agree, you know, if you're a factory that is polluting the environment, that's using yes. plastics, which is burning <laughs> fossil fuels and all that... That could be measured. Exactly. I'm a hairdresser. Uh, I'm cutting hair. That, can, really? Can you measure how much carbon I'm putting into the atmosphere? That's what I'm saying. I'm breathing. That's what I'm saying. Because these professional body right, they haven't argued these points out for years. Yeah. You know, you know as, as an employer, yeah. right, not once did they ever make a point about the, um, the laws, that the, the guidelines that were set by the government, that it actually was against our... It worked against us. So, you know, you have to be really thick skin to open, open your own salon. Really mm. thick um, skin. And, and, and to face all these sort of like protocols and bureaucrats. Because like I said to you okay. before, when you open your own business, you don't become a salon owner, you become a salon operator. And you're sure. operating for the, the, for the big man, right? And I think this. Yeah, gotcha. All right. Well, let's 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 look at let's look at this from another angle. Then. Yeah. Let's look at who's going to benefit. What? So, if we if we ask the question, do regulations help create monopolies? Question mark. In our sector or um, across the board? Across the board. I mean, let's just let obviously let's let's look at examples. Right. So BBC is BBC an example of protectionism by the law. Does, is a BBC a monopoly? No, it's not a monopoly. Would you consider no. the BBC? No. Maybe not anymore. Maybe not anymore. But I think in previous decades, they kind of what... I mean, there's not many businesses out there that own radio, TV, internet. Do you know what I well, mean? We, so in it, terms it, of their reach, it's the BBC we, we are considered to be a monopoly. We pay for all that. So it's ours. Yeah. So, but obviously there's certain, um, okay, so is Amazon uh, a monopoly that's been created by regulations? No. 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 I mean, they create value. They, 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 they provide the service, 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, and hence why they can get through the tax laws. They could go through any. They could they go through any loop that they could go through. Okay. So what is a monopoly then? Is is what's a monopoly? Let's Ooh. let's define it. You know, in who do we know to be a monopoly? Yeah, good question actually. Never... Facebook is Facebook a monopoly? I would I would have said they are. I mean, they they seem to buy off competition more than they uh, they don't create. Um, innovative idea they 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 started off as an idea and they seem to be the way they grew their they grew their profile by buying you know say whatsapp instagram all these countries haven't mm. they so they're actually yeah. killing the competition mm. so right, taking them over taking them over so what about apple is apple a monopoly i i, I always think apple is the same thing they 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 started off with one product and they've gone into phones computers they're going to sort of a whole new lifestyle now, haven't they? Again, but Apple's a little bit different. They're quite innovative, aren't they? So yeah. Well, I mean, but but this is my point. You know, what is, Apple what is a has a competition, right? Yeah. In Android, and they're both kind of battling each other for the latest technology. Yeah. And they've both got niches, right? The BBC um, is a publicly funded um, media channel. Um, which kind of is forcing people into pay for paying for it, right? When there is competition out there, the BBC have this distinct advantage over the competition because they can kind of never fail because they're all being forced to pay for it. So, right? they're, so they're, the monopoly, they're the monopoly. So I think they must be considered a monopoly. Even yeah. though there's other players out there that are playing, they're not playing by the same rules, are they? No, it, it kind of reminds me of the story with uh, Rockefeller, wasn't it? In, in the 20s... Um... With Standard Oil, and, you know, yeah. apparently, he was the, the richest man that would have that would have ever lived. You know, if, if you think of sort of like Bezos's, Musk, and all these other guys' money, right? Um, Rockefeller had more money combined because, as Standard Oil, right, they they owned everything. The, the whole monopoly was that they owned the, the drilling rights, they owned the shipping, they owned the transportation, they owned the refines, and everything. It was only when they were sort decentralized by um, mm. Eisenhower or Roosevelt I, think, I can't remember who the president was like that it broke up the whole monopoly of, of sure so it diluted it but that's the thing with BT though isn't it because so like the they, they broke down British Telecom they, they was a used to be a monopoly yeah right? that's right uh, they broke the, all the, the trains yeah national national rail yeah. they, that, that used to be a monopoly yeah. Yeah. and you know and, and generally monopolies are run by governments right um, or individuals, about, or individuals. What about Coca-Cola? Is Coca-Cola a monopoly? There must be. Well, there's Pepsi, isn't there? Yeah. So I'd say there's a duopoly yeah, there. Yeah, like Conservative versus Labour. That's a kind of duopoly, isn't it? Where there's only two two competitors, really. Yeah, the title. they're just the same old, same old, aren't they? So That's I suppose we do get into, you know, this monopoly, duopoly thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and like I say, this is why I'm against regulation for our industry, because I believe it will create monopolies, because there will only be certain people allowed to function Yeah. Uh, that can afford, not afford, but... Even be inclined to want to get involved in an industry which is so highly regulated, um, but yeah, and I've always believed that our industry was um, so diverse and so so um, long-lasting 
because of its competitive nature. Because you can bend the rules. Yeah. You know, you can bend the rules. You can create new techniques. You can create new trends. Um, and yeah, you can you can sort uh, of image yourself, can't you? You can you 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 can self promote quite easily in our industry. Yeah. Just through one. And minute. I just think I just think yeah, the internet has really helped our industry with individual brands going forwards. Personal brands is now the way forward. And the idea that L'Oreal uh, monopolising an entire industry, I find abhorrent. You know, I find it, you know, North Korea-esque where you'd only be able to use a, uh, you'd only be able to, buy, you know, buy the looks that are given on a menu. Well, I mean, L'Oreal are quite big, right? But then how many products are there on the shelf? I mean, personally speaking, you only need one bottle of shampoo to shampoo your hair. You don't need, to so sort of go to a, a shelf and thinking, which one shall I buy today? You know, it, it's just so um, confusing because there's too many, I, and, and I think there's again with, with our industry that there's too many sellers, which I do agree that some do need to shut down because they do give a bad sort of image of, of the industry. You know, it's all like the way they operate. Um, but at the same time, I, I think you, you're right in the fact that it should just be one company controlling the whole um, industry in itself. But I think there's too many, so there has to be a balance there, has it there? Hmm. Right. So, do you think our 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 um, sector, hair and beauty, will benefit from having one voice, this collectivism, um, this one set of representatives talking for all of us? Well, I, I, I'm always surprised that. Our industry hasn't got a union. That I do agree with because uh, there's too many gambling, uh, not gambling bodies, they're uh, professional bodies all purporting to be this and that, but they're all the same, they're, they're all looking for the same membership. Okay. Mm. That I couldn't understand. It's, it's, a, it's a bit like these sort of top salons, right? You know, they're advertising all their services for that 1% of clientele. And I, could, I never understood that kind of um, promotion. Uh, and say with the professional bodies, they they all say the thing. Whereas I think if, if they became collective, one big organisation, and then become a union, then you got more of a, more standings and more more kudos uh, to 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 the uh, to your members. Because right now, if you, if you actually think about it, how many we we discussed it, there's about well, half a million hairdressers, and, yeah. and yet. They they haven't really got enough members to become a voice, have they? Yeah. You, you know, yeah. especially sort of like recent in recent years, you've seen the the the, the birth of barbering going to such great heights now. There's there's what four or five different barbering organisations now, you, you know. Yeah, for sure. Right. But but my point is the chicken and the egg scenario is the barbering sector got an explosion because it was individuals using the internet to increase their brand awareness that created the barbering wave, you know, the new wave of barbers, um, and it made it cool and it made it fashionable. The regulators didn't come first no, no. to create regulations to make barbering cool. And that that is my fear. My fear is this overregulation just suffocates an industry that is supposed to be creative but then, in how it thinks and how it tries. But then, you know, if, I, if I'm around, I mean, at the at the birth of the sort of great barber explosion, right? Who were the barbers? There were Eastern Europeans, there were Turks, there were 
No, I mean, not on Instagram they weren't. They all came I, from I the mean, whole movement started in, in America. Because in, in the Afro-Caribbean salons, right, you know, these guys, right, I've been seeing them, you know, they, they work through two or three Yeah, books, sure, but, but, I mean? but, the, but, the, but the real wave exploded because of the, um, yeah, because of the, the Instagram generation. That's where the wave came from. It, it wasn't... You know, it wasn't necessarily anything other than that, really, so, that, that really brought oh, barbering oh, to okay, prominence. Okay, so fair enough. But so if, if barbering grew through the through social media, then why yeah. did they actually form a, a, a body then? Why did they why, why did they try to become a, a professional body when they don't really need that kind of um, politics? But my point is those people that were successful, that were doing really well, that was earning loads of money, they didn't need... To form a That's what I mean. Body. So why did, they? Why, well. did they? why did they? Well, because like, to stop other like people doing what they were doing. I don't know. I, I well, I don't. I've got a theory that it's essentially because, um, you know, people stagnate over time. Well, that's just the, you don't know, they? It, what and they're, they they're not do. looking to innovate. They're not looking to no. cannibalize themselves. Well, that's more for them because in our industry, and, right, like I said earlier on, well, it's Darwinism, isn't it? It's Darwinism. This whole idea is survival of the fittest. And the second you start putting barriers of entry or, or putting yeah, walls it, it, it up around, yeah. you eventually get imprisoned by those walls that you put up to protect and, yourself. And, and, so. now, and now that they feel threatened by the, I mean, I see them everywhere now. Turkish barber. Traditional Turkish barber barbers, you know, bring me up, yeah. right? So it's, it doesn't make sense to this mentality, then, right? You know, you, you become big using one platform, and they think, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm happy with what I've got, and I'm going to protect it. That is yeah. not fair. That is not a competitive um, industry. That is actually so like, um, it, it's, it's it's a slippery slope, yeah, isn't it? Really it is. Basically, uh, a, it's a slippery slope down. And, and you know, and and as as hairdresser myself, and like yourself as well, when we saw working, it knows now two days the same. So how can you actually sort of say, sit down and think, wow, I'm I'm I'm, I'm stagnating. You know, we all get our moments where we're thinking, oh, I'm about doing any good, but that is when you kick yourself up again. Right? You know, I mean, you think, well, you know. Because you can't always maintain a high level, you do have to dip, and that's where you keep mm. you re, you keep reinventing yourself, all right? Totally, but that is what evolution's about, e exactly. Right? That is, and that's the beauty of our industry. That's what innovation's about. That's what competition exactly. is about. It's about <laughs> this this constant path of just re. Inventing yourself in order to get better every exactly. day. Exactly. Listen, I I never done two haircuts the same. Okay. On 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 a client, right? Because sure. Yeah. It if you sort of do one haircut, and then the next haircut you do could be one millimeter shorter or longer. It's not the same haircut, is it? It may be the same right, look. But technically. But technically speaking, it's not the same haircut. Right. Sure. So that's how we're talking, and mm. so. There's always a variation in our industry, so why are you trying to regulate it to keep and then you're going to kill that um, variation? It, 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 it's bewildering, and this is what I'm trying to say about the professional bodies. Their interpretation doesn't make sense to me, mm. and no, not me, right? And, me. and I'm so I think we're both on the same yeah, page when it comes and, to that. And what I don't understand is right, is why they keep think beating the same drum that they. It's been doing, they've been doing this for years now, decades, and they just haven't got the message that it is futile. 
they are pointless. And I actually put a post up. They, they posted something the other day on LinkedIn, right? Mm. About chopping the fat. It, it's so boring. I actually put mm. down, I think it's time these professional bodies start to re-elect new, new board because they beat the same drum that is futile. It, it's pointless. I mean, these mm. people um, that are supposed to be representing the industry thinking they're doing a good job. You know what? Give me one good reason, one good point that you've done in the last 40 years, and I will give you a clap. Because as far as I'm concerned, they're a waste of space. I really do. And the BIS. Oh, that was such a beautiful way to finish finish that segment, Richard. I don't <laughs> think you need to I don't think you need to say any more. Okay. I mean it 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 mirrors my sentiments exactly, but um Right. Just in retrospect, just looking at why why hairdressing is successful in this country is because of the competition out there, right? Mm. And and I and I just think anything that stifles competition. Well, but that's assumed. Uh, I put the imagination in the sixties. Yeah, and he was a he was a trendsetter, yeah. right? Yeah. Everyone wanted to be like yeah, him. John Frieda. So imagine if Sassoon came out and went, yeah, you can't, I've patented this haircut. Uh, you're not allowed to do this haircut. I'm going to sue you yeah. for cutting this out. I mean, that it's that level of bureaucracy which um, it killed Bill Gates' reputation in the 90s. I don't know if you're aware of this, but a lot of Bill Gates' um, stuff um, in the 90s, he didn't invent. He essentially took a load of open source yeah, projects yeah. and um, patented them all yeah. to prevent people from from. So basically, he had a very litigious um, uh, narrative in order to basically sue people from using things that he had the legal clout and the money to be able to, um, yeah, essentially patent all of these products. And his PR was at such a low ebb in the late nineties that he had to create this charity foundation bill and melinda gates yeah, foundation yeah. in order to repair his pr because he was a sinister underhand you know person who basically wanted just to control everything and um yeah it's very dictatorial it's very tyrannical and and now what we're seeing um is you know bill gates's reputation's being being assassinated again isn't it do you know what well, I mean? with the covid thing with the whole COVID yeah, thing and, yeah. and, and stuff like that. So, you know, it is a dangerous idea, this idea that you can protect yourself by preventing anybody else from, from doing well, stuff. Well, I suppose, and... I suppose his ego was that uh, at one point he was the world's richest man, right? Yeah. Now he's not. So how do you, how do you sort of become the richest man again when, when you've got a product that is actually... Yeah, why would you need to unless you had yeah. this inner fire, yeah. um, you know, to his core, um, that he wanted to achieve something like that again and again and again. And, and the old methods don't work. You know, it's an antiquated system, so they have to kind of think of new ways to become a world beater. Right, right? And, and, and the unfortunate thing is, is that, you know, age, you, it, it doesn't matter how much money you have or what... what qualifications you've got or any skill sets you have right you cannot beat time and, and youth would always come out stronger it is yeah totally yeah it's this natural cycle of life yeah. right you know there's innovation there's improvements yeah. you know it's like we were saying about retail cleansing yeah. 
Um, you know, there is going to be a contraction of salons. There's going to be a contraction of most industries. Yeah. But hopefully, we'll be able to find a better way well, forward. And, and again, which goes to uh, which sort of begs my um, question is, is that these board members of the professional board, right, they have to change their outlook because they mm. they're too old. They're, they're too old to change. Like you were sort of saying, protectionism, Darwinism, um, type of type of theories that they. If they were to sort of leave their roles, what did they become? Nobodies. And nobody wants to be a nobody, really. It, it, you know, it, it's a very hard thing to come down. I mean, I experienced that when I when I sold my business um, six years ago. The first 18 months was very hard. All of a sudden, you're walking down a road, right? You know, who are you? <laughs> Whereas when I was yeah. going to work, right, you were Joe. Joe Mehmet. Yeah. You know, sure. So it, 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 is, it is a hard thing to sort of like accept but once you accept it, it it's it's actually quite nice just mm. because you've got no role in life in, in, in that sense um, to worry about okay but let's um but, but, let's, but I, would, let, but I, I mean let's wrap it up shall we before we start something another but I want to go on to um, talk about the the um, the regulations why the BIS was our, was our business um, regulated? Tell me, well, why, because why do you think they want it? I was actually sort of on the taxation, um, the, you know, the, the, the self-employed or the sole trader mm. in our industry, right? Now, yeah. actually, I never knew this, but as a self-employed hairdresser or a barber, mm. what can you claim for? Um, well, Nothing. Well, I know you could claim for. Some. What do you mean? What do you mean? Claim, claim for what? To, to, claim to, what in tax yeah, rebates? Exactly. In to, grants? Well, obviously, you pay taxes. Then you could sort of like uh, offset it against, right? So you could claim for renting a chair, all right? You could claim yeah. for training fees and expenses. You could, yeah. You could um, associations, right. insurances, registration, claim for products, materials, right. marketing, um, equipment, um, yeah. uniform, right? So there's a lot of benefits. Yeah. To be self-employed, isn't there? Oh yeah, no, for sure. Right, so for sure, you, you know, because I mean, you're actually operating and you you become registered and you actually go, you can actually claim all these things back. Which yeah, but one thing you cannot necessarily claim back is the, the VAT, That's which right. I've never really understood. That's right. Why we're in the VAT sector because ninety percent of our turnover comes from our time. Yeah. You know, and how can how can I claim VAT back on a hair? I, I suppose by offsetting against all this, right? You actually sort of paying taxes in one one way or another, isn't mm. it? I suppose. Yeah. So you know, VAT um, is just one of these horrible, yeah. um, unjustified um, taxations on a, on an entire industry that prevents the industry from growing. So yeah. on one hand, if the BEIS is saying that we're a fragmented industry where 73% of us is tax non-compliant, yeah. well, there's a clue, isn't there? The taxes are imbalanced and this is why there's non-compliance because as we discovered in previous shows, if I'm paying 33% tax essentially on 15 grand a year, then surely that's an unfair tax, right? Yeah. yeah. And the the imbalance is there. So rather than the BIS asking, well, we've got to do something about this non-compliance, that non-compliance starts by reducing the tax burdens well, on an industry. What, what, what does every government re re relies on? It's taxes. 
So they're going to yeah. try and take. Well, not anymore. Not anymore. They've they've discovered money printing. But that's taxation. But but you know, it's all right. But that's get, taxation without representation, right? So they're yeah. going to try and get as much money out of you as possible, but still give you enough to feed yourself and be happy, right? So how yeah. are you going to do that? Really, uh, you know. So anyway, it, it, that's uh, it, it, it's, it's up to debate, and this is the thing that I just find. The, the uh, professional boys don't really talk about um, mm. to, to... Well, that, I don't think they give practical terms no, of anything. No. They don't give uh, very good advice at all. But Well, the ultimate solution, uh, the final solution, is more regulation. Yeah, but if you're... Exactly. Like I say, they believe with more rules means hairdressers can earn more money. And I refute that. Completely. Oh, so I, I, more I, I rules totally comes more circumvention, comes more rogue traders, but, but <laughs> becomes more people off the grid. If you, were to, if you were to sort of join join their gang, you you get advice. You see, yeah. yeah. So they will give you the advice. So if you're not sure, what advice? Well, yeah, on taxes, it's not useful, and it's not protect, yeah. it's not practical, and it's not labour laws, advice. all these kind of things. So you you become a member, you get all this free advice. That advice yeah. comes at a price. Exactly. Right, shall we wrap this up? Yeah. I've t- for fifteen minutes, I've tried to wrap this conversation up, and you keep like going down another another avenue. Sorry. Um, what's got you go on LinkedIn this week, mate? Uh, nothing much, really, mate. I think um, I actually I have to be very careful what I sell on LinkedIn these days, right? So, um, well, I think you've just got to be less sweary. <laughs> And more diplomatic. Yeah, it, it, it's, um, I'm, so I'm actually sort of not engaging that much with it at the moment. To be honest, I, I, I go on it and make make mm. a yeah, you know, bravo or well done. Oh, I like that type of thing. But I'm not really engaged with anybody at the moment. No, I'm, I'm sort no. of keep, so nothing's got your goat on. LinkedIn. No, I'm, I'm actually going to sort of keep my force to myself. <laughs> <laughs> very wise, very wise. Um, All right. Yeah. <laughs> There we go, announcement. Joe's going to keep his thoughts to himself. This is 45 minutes after unloading on this podcast exclusively. Um, so there you go. So so what you're saying is um, LinkedIn's going to become very boring for your followers. Well, no, I just want to... Uh, let me get a little bit of traction, right? And then I saw, like, mm. uh, yeah. I've, I've been getting awful lot of people connected with me. But God, I'm right, it's so boring. They're all trying to sell me Bitcoin and this and that. I mean, I find it really, really boring. I mean, because you know me, you you've been trying to sell me Bitcoin for uh, for years now, right? And <laughs> and I I've not been trying to sell it to you. I've just been explaining yeah, my reasons yeah, look, for why I I believe you, it. You know, and anyone who's made money out of it, Brovo, whatever. You know, this guy this guy is all connected with me. It's all like you just used um, Elon Musk as a as this sort of like. Uh, Sales, sales tech, right? And, you know, he's the last. You bit. can be as smart and as successful as Elon <laughs> if you buy Bitcoin. Yeah, the, the thing that I find about Bitcoin, right, is that mm. you know it's not for everybody at the moment, right? Yeah, you've got to be you've got to be no. well to do to, in order to buy it at the moment, right? Because it's too expensive for a start, right? To for, for Tom Dick and Harry to buy it. But, well, you can buy a, a hundred millionth of a Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to buy a whole one in one go. Yeah, but you know, I, I, I don't think a lot of the, the general masses, right? maybe one percent understands it, but you know the general masses, right? Don't really understand. They don't understand that type of uh, thing. You know, they want to. Well, what, what, what 
be specific. What what don't what don't they well, understand? Well, why why would you want to own a little bit of something, right? When you know mm. you could buy something else that you can own the lot, the majority of. You know what I mean? You could buy. buy mm, that's a very strange well, way well, of looking at it. Well, so why why would you want okay, to own a film let, poster, mate? Not a film. Well, let's put it this way. I mean, I brought Jaws film poster uh, years ago, right, for a couple hundred yeah. quid. About two thousand pounds now, right? And I've got that's. Uh, but why did you buy it? But why is it? Because it's part of the collection. No, because it it, it reminds all the great things that I saw when I was, you know, when I was growing up, right? Sure. So, no, no, but yeah. but why has the value gone up? Is it because it's rare? Well, because look, cinemas they don't. Or is there loads of them? No, they don't. No, they'll, they'll just fit, right? You know, you you always get the teasers. You don't get the, the ones with sort of gem, that's going to a general release and then you know sort of like being circulated, blah blah. Because yeah. you know the way the way cinemas operate, does you, you you show one film right, and then you pass that film to another cinema, don't you? Sure. So you have to... no, but my point is, why has that film poster got value? The artwork. Yeah. Right. The the fact that it was uh, limited edition. Exactly, it's, so it's rare. It's cult. Right? It's, 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 it's cult. It's cult. It's cult. There's lots of factors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but 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 the main one is scarcity, yeah. right? It's a piece of artwork yeah. that there's not very many on. That's right. So therefore, its price has gone up ten x. Ten x. And and also, so apply that apply that same principle to Bitcoin. Yeah. And that's why we've got digital scarcity. Yeah, but I'm just sort of everything on the internet can be replicated. I'm just sort of saying, apart the, from Bitcoin. But someone like me, right, understands. The beauty of a film poster, right? Because I own that sure. entirely. Now, sure. but if I was to own a hundred million of a Bitcoin, is that any appeal mm. to it? No. I, I understand what you said. It's limited. Well, if it if it goes up in value, yeah, then like your film poster. Yeah, but I'm not I'm not looking at film posters as an investment, right? It, it also gives me great joy. Sure. Okay. You know, as you sure. know, with my football programs, you know. Sure. Um, you can ask me, right? Out of all the football probes I've got, right, we're going with, with the Arsenal, um, go back to sort of the 19th century to when they were full of film, right? There's one football program gives me the ultimate pleasure, and that's a cricket match. Arsenal playing Tottenham in Frisbee Park um, for a charity for that uh, Woodbridge, uh, Wood, Woodbridge School, right? Mm. A charity match in 1973. And to get in to see this match, right, you did a program, like a little sheet, right? Now, right. I lived across that, I, I lived across that uh, cricket, uh, cricket pitch in Park. And me and my friends, right, we jumped over the fence and, you know, went under the um, the railings and got into, into the game. And I, and I saw, distinctly remember seeing the match. Um, can you can you be found guilty for retrospective crimes <laughs> on a podcast? You could do, but you know, <laughs> good luck to it, right? Yeah. Where's the evidence? But I, and, you know, it's one thing that I remembered all my life. You know, seventy-three. I was mm. what, um, fifteen years old, and um, mm. you, you know, and I came across that program. You know, and I brought it. Mm. You, you know, it didn't it, it didn't matter how much it cost me. I'm not going to tell you how much it cost me, right? But it, it's so rare. But Sure. The story behind it, it is beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing. Right. Yeah, no, I agree now, with you. Well, I Bitcoin, mean, look, Bitcoin, I, can, I can narrate any kind of story you want behind Bitcoin because it's so nuanced. It means so many different things to so many different people. Yeah. You know, um, all over the globe. Um, it, it could mean food for people in Venezuela. Uh, it can mean freedom for someone escaping Syria. You know, there is so many narratives that Bitcoin 
helps propagate. And the, But all I'm trying to say to you is, what don't you get with scarcity? Because you've already got your posters. No, no. Yeah, it gives you joy, but they're also an investment. No, because it, 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 with, with, with me, right? Because right now, with, with Bitcoin, there's no end user, is there? What do you mean? Well, no, I could buy... I mean, you can buy something for, with something with it, yeah? Well, the whole Elon Musk thing is you can buy a Tesla with it. Well, he's well, he, he, he saying that now, right? You can go, yeah, you can go and buy it now, right? But that is, it's a, again, it's sort of a, a niche market. All right, but we're so we're talking about no, mainstream. No, we're we talking about you uh, could buy anything with Bitcoin. Well, don't let. But but the point well, can is, I, can I go to Tesco's with it? Well, why would you? Why would you want to swap a, an appreciating asset for a depreciating yeah, because asset? Because the thing is, that's like that's like I'm going to go and. I'm going to sell my house so I can go and buy a car. No one does that, Joe. You know, and it's the same context. When you've got something that depreciates in value over time due to scarcity, you don't spend that thing that accrues okay, more value well, over time. We, we, so, big, that's, Bitcoin was, so that's the first thing. Bitcoin was born as a store of value. Bitcoin was born uh, from the dark web, right? No, no, it wasn't born out of the dark web. Dark web. See, so you're falling down that fun. No, no, no. I'm just sort of uh, saying, right? Negative. No, no, no. I'm just sort of but... saying, right? It, it's not regulated. Yeah, exactly. And that's why it's competitive. And that's why no one can stop and, and it. it. So and if we circle back to why regulations are well, bad. Well, I mean, we, we, do, we talked about this, right? So 90% yeah. of the world population is poor, right? You know, they're, they're, they're so yes. poor, okay? They're, and they're, and what, yes, uh, okay. So, so, and why is that, Joe? Well, is that because wealth is fairly no, or not, unfairly it's, distributed? It's not unfairly distributed. You know, good luck to anyone who makes a lot of money. And you know, and um, but unfortunately, so some people are in unfortunate positions where they just can't rise above that line to to, to feed themselves. Or feed... <laughs> okay, it's all right. Like, all right all you've right. got to keep it super simple. Oh, okay. It's rare. Right, okay. It's rare. Yeah, me... It cannot be stopped. It's a store of value. Right. It's a medium of exchange. Let, it's it to, fungible. Let's put it to the Uncom... let... But like I say, you know, you want to harbour on like poor people. No, or rich... no, 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 no. What's driven that? What's driven the, the wealth inequality gap? And you well know this is the money printing over the well, years. No, no. The fact that governments can basically print money out of fresh air to account for any mistake they made and nobody's ever held accountable for making these mistakes. This is where inflation comes from. It is literally being printed out of fresh air. The inflation is our politicians' path of least resistance to power, and that's to print money. And it will fall. It, it, will, it will, as we saw with the whole Wall Street bets thing and the, and the GameStop thing, it, it, there's chinks in the armour of the fiat system and it's on its way it's on its way down yeah yeah no I, but i like to look at bitcoin in the sense of what it can do for society and civilization as opposed to what it does for me individually do you know mm. what i mean i think it's a collective movement that people can opt into you know no one's being forced at gunpoint to do this unlike you're being forced to pay for your tv license you know you're being forced to pay your taxes you're being forced to do you know what mm. i mean there's no choice in the matter bitcoin is is pro-choice you know anyways so let's yeah. see let's see let's see how it goes Let, let's see yeah all right then all right. joe um we need to wrap this up so um you got anything to plug this week what are you up to? well i'm gonna sort of take the dogs out for a walk now okay. uh, i'm sure they'll love that 
haven't had a COVID test or they haven't had a jab yet, but I've been, I've been, there's a sort of like, you know, just on a regular basis, got to have a COVID test because, you know. All right. Because what, what test did you have? Just, what, a lateral, just a lateral flow one, you know, sort of like, yeah. How's that? Is that the one where the uh, tonsils thing goes right into your nose? Yeah, ton, ton, um, tonsils are your nasal, right? Yeah. Cause right. When I, How was that? It's all right. It only takes about sort of a minute, doesn't it? So sort of 10 seconds, 10 seconds. Now, five. Does it go quite deep in? Yeah, I mean, you, you really go like, you know, you've got tears in your eyes, like, you know. Oh, my yeah, God. I mean, it's something from a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah, when I'm walking a dog for like, until like an hour past, mm. what I find really annoying, like, is, is the joggers. You know, I've got nothing against joggers, right? But they're breathing heavily, aren't they? And at certain parts of the uh, the walk, right, they, they you, you can't avoid them. They're coming straight at you. And, and they're always breathing heavily, or they go, <sighs> and you get that whiff of air. And I think, oh, you, you know. You've always been a germaphobe. Yeah, though, exactly. Mate, but I'm just sort of saying, right, yeah. you know, I'm surprised that you can go to a supermarket having to wear a mask and, or, or anywhere, but you can't jog in the street, you know, you can jog in the streets, right, with your mouth wide open. Yeah. yeah, well, that's that's how it works, Joe. Oh, yeah. You know, you need to you need to suck in more oxygen when you're. Yeah, as you just said. Yeah, but like that's how the know, body but, works. You no, know, but if if you if you've got a symptom right without realizing, which a lot of some people have, right? Oh, I thought we've gone over this asymptomatic spread is a nonsense. Yeah, but I'm just sort of that's, saying. That's the scam. Uh, it it could be a scam, but I'm a bit worried. Oh, it. It's a scandal. Asymptomatic spread isn't a thing. We know that now. Yeah. We know that. Yeah. If asymptomatic spread was a thing, more than 0.05% of people that had their hair cut last year would have tested positive for COVID. If it was a thing. Because if you've got no symptoms and you carry on living your daily life with no symptoms, but you're, you're spreading, you're a super spreader, then more hairdressers would have got ill. But what happened? Well, no, but if it, there was none. No, but it's, it's gravity, isn't it? You know, you've got a client sitting down. Should, you know, he doesn't rise up, does it? If they, if they. No, but the point is, if somebody turns up at your salon looking like shit, sneezing, coughing, you're not going to go near them, are you? So therefore, you you are automatically going to keep your distance. Anyway, I, I don't want to get drawn yeah, into yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. because that always just infuriates the hell <laughs> out of me. So. So yeah, but um, but yeah, I, I, we saw uh, that film Contagion. Do I? Did you see that film Contagion? Yeah, is, is that life following art or is that art following life? What is that? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that was um. Well, we we discovered who was responsible for uh, the whole COVID thing was was oh, Gwyneth oh. Paltrow. <laughs> 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 Did you see the film? Because she was the first victim, wasn't she? She was the first carrier. Oh, I thought it was Bill Gates. <laughs> but, yeah, Gwyneth. Gwyneth in the film. Well, that's what happens when you uh, when you get married to the lead to play, I suppose. <laughs> exactly. All right, mate. God, I love you and leave you. All right, then, dude. Well, look, gosalon.uk if you want to get your salon prepared for the future of retail um you can find us at telegram at salonomics all over the social you can find us at salonomics um and once again for this week be good talking to you joe yeah, right. yeah it was good fun good fun and, uh, yeah I'm, all right mate i'll speak to you right soon. Take, take care, care. Bye.